Welcome to the August 18th, 2022 episode of Blood Podcast, your source for innovative ideas and cutting-edge information. Our topics are based on articles published in Blood, a journal of the American Society of Hematology. Today, we'll learn more about neuropsychiatric manifestations and stroke risk in hereditary TTP. Discuss germline DDX41 variants as predisposing factors to myeloid neoplasms. And learn more about the prognostic impact of DDX41 mutations in adults with intensively treated AML. Our first blood article is entitled Prevalence of Neuropsychiatric Symptoms and Stroke in Patients with Hereditary Thrombotic Thrombocytopenic Purpura by Azra Borogovats from the University of Oklahoma Health Sciences Center in Oklahoma City and colleagues. Hereditary Thrombotic Thrombocytopenic Purpura, or HTTP, also known as congenital TTP, is a rare autosomal recessive disorder caused by a severe deficiency of ADAMTS13, a plasma metalloprotease that cleaves ultra-large von Willebrand factor. ADAMTS13 is also the target of autoantibodies in the far more common immune-mediated form of TTP, or ITTP. As a result of low ADAMTS13 activity, persisting ultra-large VWF multimers can promote platelet microthrombi, causing microvascular thrombosis and organ ischemia. The clinical manifestations of HTTP are diverse, and many are the same as seen in immune-mediated TTP. While some HTTP patients appear to have excellent health, others may die soon after birth or have major comorbidities, including kidney disease, stroke, or transient ischemic attacks. Acute episodes of HTTP are treated with either plasma or plasma exchange. Currently, the only available prophylaxes are plasma transfusions given every two weeks or plasma-derived factor VIII concentrates rich in ADAMTS13, which can be associated with allergic reactions. In patients with immune-mediated TTP, but in clinical remission, problems with cognitive function, depression, and silent cerebral infarctions still often occur, as well as stroke in those with reduced ADAMTS13 activity. Thus, the aim of the present study was to determine the prevalence of neurological long-term effects in a small cohort of patients with HTTP. The study enrolled a total of 27 patients from across the United States between April 2020 and July 2021 who were entered on the International HTTP Registry. 25 were ages 19 to 63 years, with a median age of 38, and two were children. 70% of participants were female, 89% were white, and most had a college or postgraduate degree. Hereditary HTTP was confirmed in all patients by identifying biallelic pathogenic ADAMTS13 mutations and ADAMTS13 activity of less than 10%. Study participants were interviewed about the administration of prophylaxis, any hospitalizations, and neuropsychiatric symptoms. Stroke was diagnosed based on patient-reported symptoms, formal diagnosis, and clinical course. The symptoms were compared between the groups of patients with and without a history of stroke. 25 of 26 patients, excluding one infant, reported experiencing between 2 and 14 neuropsychiatric symptoms, with onset across all ages. Recurrent headaches were the most common symptom and reported by almost 90% of patients, followed by poor concentration and depression, reported by 65% and 62% of patients, respectively. More than half of patients experienced a migraine-like headache with aura, 
17, or 63% of patients, had a stroke with a median age of 26 at the time of the first stroke. This rate is more than two times greater than in prior reports. According to the authors, this is probably due to the median patient age in the current study being more than 10 years older. Notably, all six patients aged 49 years or older reported a stroke. Of the 17 patients with strokes, 11 had residual symptoms, and 7 had recurrent strokes. Seven patients have received stroke-related disability benefits. 25 of 27 patients were treated with plasma for their symptoms or for prophylaxis. Of those, 21 reported having allergic reactions. However, none of the patients were on prophylaxis at the time of their first or second strokes. Overall, these results indicate that almost all patients with HTTP exhibited neuropsychiatric symptoms that were often life-altering. The high frequency of patient-reported strokes suggests that the neuropsychiatric symptoms may be caused by silent cerebral infarction, similar to patients with ITTP. The authors recommend a baseline cerebral MRI at the first occurrence of HTTP symptoms to identify silent strokes and to assess the need for prophylactic therapy, in addition to regular cognitive and depression screening. In an accompanying commentary, Marshall Mazipa from the University of Minnesota notes that the high frequency of strokes, neurologic complications, and cognitive impairment in HTTP reported by Borogovats and collaborators reinforces the need for universal, early, and effective prophylaxis for prevention of these and other devastating complications of HTTP. He further notes that greater awareness of stroke as a potential complication of HTTP is needed to prevent delayed diagnosis and related morbidity. Mazipa is optimistic that the approval of recombinant ADAMTS-13 for HTTP will be an important new tool for prophylaxis and treatment, similar to the effects that Factor 8 and 9 concentrates had for managing hemophilia and changing the natural history of the disease. Education will be important. Informing the patients and families about the benefits of prophylaxis should be prioritized, since prophylaxis can not only prevent relapses, but also protect against the risk of stroke and neurological complications. Delayed diagnosis of HTTP is another major challenge, which is why measuring ADAMTS-13 activity in patients with embolic stroke of undetermined source to screen for HTTP is important. Mazipa adds that there should also be a low threshold to test patients with unexplained obstetric complications and or thrombocytopenia for HTTP. Next up, we'll discuss two articles published in Blood that present data on germline DDX41 variants as risk factors and as prognostic markers in adults with myeloid neoplasms. Recognizing the hereditary nature of hematological malignancies is critical to developing effective clinical management plans that may include hematopoietic stem cell transplantation, or HSCT, as well as for genetic counseling of affected families. The use of next-generation sequencing has revealed a surprisingly high incidence of presumably germline mutations in genes predisposing to hematologic malignancies in children and adults with approximately 8% having a pathogenic germline variant. Since the first report in 2015, the DDX41 gene has emerged as one of the most common myeloid neoplasm predisposition genes in adults. DDX41 encodes a deadbox RNA helicase involved in immune response, RNA splicing, and ribosomal biogenesis, 
and is essential for myeloid differentiation of hematopoietic stem and progenitor cells. DDX41 variants are represented in approximately 5% of AML cases and 2% of myeloid malignancies and are associated with late-onset myeloid neoplasms in patients without a family history, usually years after indolent and mild cytopenia. Beyond AML and MDS, germline DDX41 mutations have been identified as predisposing factors to chronic myelomonocytic or myeloid leukemia, myelodysplastic myeloproliferative neoplasm, lymphoproliferative disorders, and potentially non-hematopoietic neoplasms. However, previously reported cases provide insufficient support to link germline DDX41 mutations to these other disorders, and the overall natural course and characteristic findings in DDX41-associated entities remain unclear. The first new study we'll discuss is entitled The Genetic Landscape of Germline DDX41 Variants Predisposing to Myeloid Neoplasms by Peng Li from the University of Utah Healthcare in Salt Lake City and collaborators. Studies to date have revealed that familial predisposition to hematologic malignancies is more common than previously believed. However, the subacute disease course of DDX41-associated AML, characterized by a borderline increase in blasts with a normal immune profile, makes it more challenging to diagnose than other types of hereditary hematologic malignancies. This is further complicated by the limited ability of next-generation sequencing, or NGS, to distinguish between causal and benign DDX41 variants. The identification of causal variants has the potential to inform patient management and prevent donor-derived leukemia in patients who may be candidates for allogeneic HSCT. As novel variants become increasingly identified, the focus of expert panels should be on developing gene-specific diagnostic guidelines. The goal of the current study by Lee and colleagues was to analyze the presence of specific germline DDX41 variants using genomic profiling in a large cohort of patients with hematologic malignancies. They applied proposed DDX41-specific criteria to classify variants as causal or as variants of uncertain significance. 195 cases with at least one DDX41 variant were identified through retrospective search of pathology records of almost 10,000 unrelated and unselected patients with hematological malignancies who underwent NGS between January 2015 and June 2021. The studied cohort included patients with AML, MDS, and other hematologic malignancies treated at six medical centers across the United States. The search identified 176 patients carrying 82 distinct DDX41 germline variants in this unrelated patient cohort. A control cohort consisting of 4,307 patients without DDX41 variants was used for comparison. The authors used a proposed DDX41 variant classification modified from the ACMG-AMP guidelines to identify the features distinguishing 116 patients with causal variants from 60 patients with variants of uncertain significance. The classification of a likely causal variant included having at least one DDX41 variant with an allele frequency of greater than 40% and any of the following criteria. Deleterious variants recurrent missense variants as reported in more than three unrelated patients with hereditary neoplasms, or novel missense variants in association with pathogenic somatic variants of DDX41, clinical information, molecular and cytogenetic profiles, and demographic data 
were analyzed to test the proposed classification criteria. Similar to prior studies, approximately two-thirds of germline DDX41 causal variants were loss-of-function mutations. Interestingly, unique ethnic differences were highlighted by different recurrent causal variants seen nearly exclusively in Caucasian or Asian patients. The study also identified distinguishing features between patients with causal variants and those with variants of uncertain significance. Causal variants were associated with older age, male gender, frequent concurrent somatic DDX41 variants, a lower somatic mutational burden, and near exclusion of canonical recurrent genetic abnormalities, including mutations in NPM1, CEBPA, and FLT3 in AML, as well as superior overall survival in AML and MDS patients. This superior survival was independent of the blast count, abnormal karyotypes, and concurrent variants, including TP53, and independent of the patient's gender, age, or the specific DDX41 causal variant, suggesting that germline DDX41 variants constitute a distinct clinical entity. Beyond somatic DDX41 variants, the other commonly mutated genes concomitant with germline DDX41 included ASXL1 in 28% of patients, followed by DNMT3A in 13% of patients, and TET2 in 11% of patients. In contrast, the most frequent concomitant variant in patients with a DDX41 variant of unknown significance was the JAK2PV617F mutation, which was present in 18% of patients. In these patients, the mutant JAK2 allele frequency was suggestive of a disease driver mutation in the majority. Interestingly, unrelated patients with myeloproliferative neoplasms and B-cell lymphoma had the DDX41 causal variant in common thus expanding the known disease spectrum beyond AML and MDS. The authors concluded that their findings build on the current knowledge about DDX41 causal variants in hematologic malignancies, including in unrelated patients with DDX41 mutations, and emphasize a need for development of gene-specific diagnostic and clinical management guidelines. The second DDX41-related study we'll discuss today is entitled Prognostic Impact of DDX41 Germline Mutation in Intensively Treated Acute Myeloid Leukemia Patients, an alpha-philo study by Nicolas Duployez from the Lille University Hospital in Lille, France, and collaborators. Earlier studies have shown relatively good outcomes in AML patients with germline variants in DDX41 treated with intensive chemotherapy and hypomethylating agents alone, or in combination with venetoclax or lenalidomide. However, to date, the prognostic impact of DDX41 germline mutations in AML has not been studied in larger cohorts of patients treated with more homogenous therapies. In the current study, the authors compared the characteristics and outcomes of a cohort of 191 newly diagnosed patients with germline DDX41 variants with those of patients with wild-type DDX41, with both cohorts treated with intensive chemotherapy. The study cohort included a real-life cohort of 105 patients, as well as 86 patients treated in five prospective clinical trials conducted by the Acute Leukemia French Association and the French Innovative Leukemia Organization between January 2008 and March 2019. 
Patient age in these trials varied from 18 to more than 60 years old. Eligibility criteria included de novo AML, except for patients in one trial, which also enrolled patients with AML secondary to prior MDS. A cohort of 1,604 patients with wild-type DDX41, also treated with intensive chemotherapy, with or without HSCT, was used for comparison. Genomic DNA was analyzed using capture-based next-generation sequencing. As DDX41 was not covered in some of the older studies, all of the samples with available material were also screened for DDX41 mutations. Additional genomic analyses for other gene variants associated with AML were focused on 35 genes shared by the four gene panels used. The DDX41 variants were interpreted as causal if they were pathogenic or likely pathogenic, according to the guidelines of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics and the Association for Molecular Pathology. The presence of a somatic DDX41 mutation was also considered as strong evidence of causality. Rates of complete remission, overall survival, and remission-free survival served as the outcome's measures. Study findings revealed that 75% of AML patients with germline DDX41 variants were male in their 70s, with a median leukocyte count of 2 times 10 to the 9th per liter, median bone marrow blast infiltration of 33%, and normal cytogenetics. This cohort also had two additional somatic mutations, compared to three seen in the cohort with wild-type DDX41. A second somatic mutation in the DDX41 gene was found in 82% of germline DDX41 variants patients, and clonal architecture analysis suggested that it could be the main driver of AML progression. Patients with germline DDX41 variants displayed higher complete remission rates, 94% versus 69%, and, on average, 13.6 months longer restricted mean overall survival than patients with intermediate adverse risk and wild-type DDX41. Relapse rates censored at the time of HSCT were lower at one year in patients with germline DDX41 variants compared to intermediate adverse patients with wild-type DDX41, namely 15% versus 44%. But this gap was much smaller at three years, namely 82% versus 75%. Patients who underwent HSCT in first complete remission had significantly longer relapse-free survival, but not overall survival. In a joint commentary for both DDX41 studies, Anna Rio Machin and Jude Fitzgibbon from the Queen Mary University of London in the United Kingdom note that these latest findings reaffirm AML with germline DDX41 causal variants as a unique clinico-pathological entity characterized by late-onset, normal karyotype, male gender skewing, and favorable outcome. They further note that germline DDX41 causal variants are the most common predisposing event reported in AML to date, contributing to the ideology of more than 5% of all AML cases. The trials analyzed by Duployes and collaborators demonstrated significantly higher rates of complete remission and lower rates of relapse post-HSCT in AML patients with germline DDX41 variants compared to patients who did not have these variants. However, this did not translate into prolonged overall survival post-HSCT. The study by Lee and collaborators extends the findings from previous reports linking germline DDX41 variants to other hematological neoplasms, including MDS, myeloproliferative neoplasms, cytopenia, B-cell lymphomas, and multiple myeloma. Rio Machin and Fitzgibbon 
note that the late age of onset, incomplete penetrance, and lack of family history make the recognition of inherited forms of mutant DDX41-driven disease variants difficult. For this reason, the testing of bone marrow donors to detect asymptomatic carriers of these variants is essential, since examples of donor-derived DDX41 leukemia have been described. Whether germline DDX41 variants of undetermined significance represent bona fide risk factors in hematological malignancies remains an open question, which should be assessed by determining their prevalence in normal populations, as well as functional consequences of specific variants. Rio Machin and Fitzgibbon conclude that the perception that familial forms of AML are rare needs to be revisited, and that DDX41, an emerging predisposing loci, should be included as standard in routine AML testing. These genes are set to provide a new perspective on the origins of AML. For a list of additional authors, as well as more detailed articles and commentaries on which this podcast is based, please go to bloodjournal.org. Be sure to join us next week for another episode of Blood Podcast. Thank you for listening.